everyone has their part to do. Everyone can do something. There's nothing small about racial inequality, but everyone can do one thing. If not anything, at least have one conversation with your family. Five, ten minutes. All I'm asking. I'm just asking for five or ten minutes. Have a simple conversation with your family about racism, about the history of American racism. Where do you stand? Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Wake Up Stories. We're here with a part two episode. So if you haven't already heard our previous episode, I would encourage you to go back so that you can come here and pick up where we left off. My name is Laura. Hey, guys, I'm Andrea. Like Laura said, we are beyond grateful. I have no words for how honored I am to have David Perry with us today. He's the author of the blog, The Black Angle. It's an MBA in finance. He does finances for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. He comes from Philadelphia, before that, New Jersey, before settling here in Utah, where he has now grown his beautiful family of six, eight total, but two are grown in another state. (laughs) But if you haven't, like Laura said, go back and catch the, the last episode as we had David on explaining some of the stories that have happened in his blog. And to catch you up very quickly, we were discussing a story of a little Black kid who's been adopted by a white family. And in this neighborhood, three of his white friends held him down and said, we are going to George Floyd you. That mom of the Black boy went to try to have discussions with the other parents. One was remorseful, apologized, regretful. The other completely ignored, would not have a conversation. The third completely dismissed it, blamed the boy and said, that he should be lucky to have white friends who are his friends. That spawned into a very intense conversation of race, inequality, empathy, why we need to have these conversations at home and how sometimes it just becomes politicized and we are not sure why. So we're gonna jump right into part two of this episode. We're gonna pick up with, Laura had a question for David. So Laura, let's hear it. All right. So I have two things here. So my first one is once you made that blog post, it, it went viral. Is that correct? That is correct. Yeah. Okay. And I don't think that we've talked about the actual responses that people had to that blog post. So I'm a little curious as to what kind of feedback you got from people. Did you get both positive and negative or what did that look like? Yeah. So I did get mostly positive. So about 95% definitely a positive supportive of just the parent and child saying just we got your back we support you you have friends and family here a lot of it just mixed race also black right white every gender out there every color out there was just very supportive i had a couple that politicized it so just basically just and actually defended the mom of the kid that was at the comment itself and will you say that comment again for those that just joined in david please Yeah, so the child said, I'm going to George Floyd you to the black child. And it, yeah, that's, <laughs> every time I say it, it just gives a little, like, fireball inside of my mind where I just want to explode and just yell, just like, what are you thinking? It's, yeah, and that's why I had to write it. It's, there's no way, I couldn't express it. I'm a better writer than I am speaker, and just <laughs> I put it down and just try to get people aware of just, no, that's, you can't say stuff like that, period. Just It's out of pocket. No explanation. Know the situation. You don't mock anyone's death. You don't mock that situation of just racial inequality and just police brutality and just the awfulness of that right. whole experience. And just trivializing, whether it was just joking or if they were serious, it shouldn't have came out regardless. No. And- Do you feel like it 
woke people up like your that's your the goal of your blog were people suddenly aware where they weren't before oh that absolutely and that's great. one of the it was just when i shared it i got a tons of responses of just people asking me questions as far as what can i do on my half as just far as just trying to reduce experiences a situation like this others saying i'm shocked that this happened in our backyard just locally here in the town that we're in city I got some people that came up to me, neighbors, walked up to me, asking me, look, I've read what's going on in your blog. What's, what's appalling? What can I do? What can I do in my space? Uh, and what's it, your answer to that when people ask you that? I, that's what I was going to say. Well, how do you normally respond to that? I tell people, look, you got to start off. You got to have the conversation. Recognize that the problem exists. You can't come to a solution unless the problem exists. Recognize yeah. that the problem is there. Have the conversations in your home, whether it's your wife, husband, child, um, partner, whoever's in your house, have a conversation. In that conversation, you should know, recognize the problem. Where do you stand in regards to that problem? Right. Are you for this? Are you against this? How strongly do you stand against racism? Your kid watches you as an example as a parent. You know, he's going to remember, or he or she is going to remember this conversation and where you say you're going to stand for or against, or whether you think it's just political hyperbole. Just where are you right. in this? And if you are against it, what are you going to do about it? Do you stand up for others? Do you say something in your space? Do whatever action that you take, keep it in your lane. I, I'd like to I tell people, look, you, everyone has skills and talents. You can go to school. You can, go to, you can have degrees, university degrees, doctorate degrees. You have no degrees. You can be someone skilled in, in social media. You could be whatever. You, everyone has a talent. Everyone has a skill set. Stay right. in your lane. Use your talents and skill sets to make change. Talk about, it. have those conversations, whatever medium that you use, focus on your skill and your talent, advocate for that change in your position within your space. That's where you're most effective. You affect those people that are in those circles, in your space, in your talent, and that has impact. And so right. have the conversation, stay in your lane of skills and talents, and make sure that you use those skills and talents to advocate whatever position that you're in. That's really good advice. It is really and good. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty much, that's exactly what I say. I was on ABC four last or two Fridays ago. And it was, the segment was on showing how to have this uncomfortable conversation at home with your kids. And that's exactly what you should do. And I, I wanted to share this quick little blurb for people who say, I just don't know if I can do that. Okay. There, I went to a TEDx talk, TEDx Ogden last summer and there's this 12-year-old boy who's a TEDx speaker. And his entire message and platform was, for years, he would go around and talk to the homeless in Salt Lake because there's a heavy homeless problem or population. And he just wanted to understand their stories. And it started by they would give them food and sit down and talk with them. And then eventually it led to, hey, come eat with us. And he would just talk to them and get to know them. And that's all he did. And so he's making change by just asking their story. And so I want to leave that challenge and story with our listeners. If a 12-year-old boy can go into Salt Lake and ask homeless people who they are and what their story is and get to know them and show them compassion and love rather than judgment, you can too. <laughs> uh -huh. put, on your, put on your big girl pants, put on your big boy pants. And just start talking to people. <laughs> All right. And this is, okay. So this is actually when we stopped what I was going to share, because David had just okay. said, 
Hey, if you want to know more, come and talk to me. He's I'm not going to yell at you. I'm not, I'm happy to have these conversations. And for me, I'm so grateful. I feel like there's this added weight to when you're a black person in America that you feel like you have to educate. And I don't have that as a white person and and that takes energy. And so I appreciate when people are willing to have those conversations and to share those experiences, but for the white person that's thinks it's hard to have these conversations. Andrea, did I tell you how I talked to a girl on the phone? Just a complete stranger. I'm going to share the story because I don't think I have. I'll snap. (laughs) Okay. I'll I'll try to be really quick. I don't want to steal any thunder from David and his being our guest today. So my son, he was a first contact. His teacher had COVID. He had to quarantine. So the health department after a while, they called me just saying, Hey, did you get tested? All that kind of stuff. So this random person that I don't know, they call me up. Coincidentally, that night I'm teaching a class on equality and diversity. And I'm talking to this complete stranger on the phone. And she says, Hey, my name's Dewana. I need to collect this information from you. And I, so I'm like, okay, her name's Dewana. This sounds to me like it's a black name. Okay. Also, I can tell by the way she talks that she's probably a black person. And so I was like, I'm about to have the most uncomfortable conversation I could possibly have. And I said, Duana, I said, I have a question for you. And this is personal question. I said, by your name and how you talk, I might assume that you're black. Would I be correct? And she said, yes. I said, Duana, you don't have to share this, but I have a question for you. I'm teaching this class tonight and I'm teaching it to a, a primarily a bunch of white women. I said, if you were to be in that class, what would you want to tell these women? What would you want them to hear? And a simple conversation with someone I do not know turned out to be a positive experience. And she got off that phone call knowing my name with me, knowing her name and that she had been heard. Okay. If I can do that. And I'm telling you guys, if you go to a person that doesn't look like you and you want to know about them, It has always been my experience that if you do that out of love and a true desire to learn and to understand, you will have a positive experience and they will share with you. Yeah. Most people are good people. doesn't matter what side of the aisle you're on with anything, whether it's pro-life or pro-choice or conservative or liberal or backstreet boys versus in sync. Like it doesn't matter. Most people are good people and are willing to have open conversations and we are more alike than we are different. But I would like to throw one more thing in there because I know there probably is a big part of our black audience who also feels it's not my job to educate you. It is not my responsibility to teach you these things. And I would agree with that statement also. So it's twofold of be willing to have the uncomfortable conversations and ask and learn then Take the responsibility to go teach yourself. Take the responsibility to educate yourself. Read some history. Listen to different podcasts. Read blogs like David's, The Black Angle, just to get different perspective. Get involved, like David said, in your sphere, wherever you are, and get to know those people in your sphere and how those. So it's like, it's twofold. Yes, be brave enough to talk to people and understand where they're coming from. But then also be willing to take the responsibility to educate yourself. 
That's kind of, it's weird too, because I think about that, and I think about high school times where you had to do research papers. Your teacher always tell you, always use several different resources Local to sources. get all the you know, so <laughs> focus on those sources. So that, I don't know, people just are afraid to go back to school or afraid to go to education and make that right. effort. It really just comes down to that. You, if you want right. to get educated about racial inequality, discrimination, what's happening, you're going to have to do the research. You're going to have to, yes. you're going to have to want to do it. You have to want to do it first, right. then you have to put in the work to do it. And yep. so going out to different resources, whether you're saying social media, whether it's just looking in, in, in school books, go ask somebody. You know, say, don't be afraid to talk to people. We get tired of protesting and stuff like that. And just making, trying to make noise and just trying to make change through just marches and stuff like that. I'd like to see the one-on-one -on -one conversation. I'd like to see people come yes. to me, get some information from me so I can help them make better informed decisions about the current state of affairs. And so yeah. come talk to a person. You know, I'm yeah. to be just like, any of your homeboys or your friends out in the, you right. know, any of your coworkers. So do that. Go to yeah. different resources to get a better perspective of the problem before you start making calls and right. actions. I had one more thing that I wanted to ask you as a, a continuation for this part two of your episode. So earlier, before we started recording, you mentioned that there were some comments that you wanted to discuss. I think, I can't quite remember if it was comments from people that specifically to you or to your blog, but can you elaborate a little bit more on like those comments in relation to your work? And yeah, what there, so a lot of good feedback on, on just what was, what I wrote about people who were, who were supportive, people who were just advocating for change also just saying, look, we, there's a problem here. Let's try to find solutions. People who were just talking to me and making feedback comments of their own personal experiences. Their, their kids right. being called the N-word. Them, them themselves being held out from not getting a job because they thought that it was because they were black. I'm just like, what is going on? These are stories that I need to write about. This is stuff that I get sort of upset because I know a lot of, there's a lot of black people out here in Utah that have gone through experiences, but just don't have the platform or medium right. to post them out there. So as I'm getting feedback, just so that's why I'll be writing about from people who actually give feedback to all, to, to the articles that I write or to the blogs that I write. And I'll tell you one experience. One person who read one of my blogs and who I'm going to be writing about soon is, is half white, half black. She's mixed, lives in, in Utah County. And she talked about, we had a long discussion about just her own personal experiences where she's just dealt with racism because she looks fairly on the white side, just her environment between work and just her social life. She's been engaged in a lot of racial um, disparaging conversations and comments that were made around her. And that, again, it's because the environment has been politicized. And so people are just going just on MAGA rants or just proud boy rants and stuff like that around her, not knowing she's mixed or and in some cases knowing that she's mixed and just making comments, you know, saying, calling people the N word or just things that are just not appropriate. One situation she was telling me about, she was in the bathroom with some of her girlfriends and or not some of her girlfriends with some people. And she overheard one white girl saying, you know, to get a black guy, all you got to do is have a big butt and you'll be all set to go, regardless of what, what they know. It didn't matter. I'm just like, really? <laughs> and that's in this conversations like that, that they're being overheard, that they think that they're in their little white circles that, you know, right. go out there. And this shows how misinformed people are, just have the, the wrong beliefs and just the racism that exists there. And so just going back to the blog, it's just all the feedback I get. And a lot of it's positive. You get some of the negative things, but you get some of the experiences that other people are going through. And just people have to understand in Utah that this racism is, regardless of just your comments, may think that you're just private in businesses, workplaces, churches, wherever. No, they're good. They can be exposed. And it shows right. just where you stand. 
And, and the problem is, it's, it's more prevalent than people make it out seem to be here. Absolutely. So that's, why, that's exactly why I have the blog and why I want to write about people's experiences so, here. I'm actually really glad that you brought up those comments of the woman who is biracial because it goes back to a lot of the work that we do here with wake up stories is reseeding the subconscious mind. And when people are making stereotypical conversations in a bathroom where they think they're being private, right? They're planting seeds of inequality. You can tell they've been seeded with inequality and they might be thinking they're just shooting the breeze and it's not a big deal. And we're just talking about guys and dating and who doesn't want a big butt? That's not an insult, but it's still like a stereotypical dig. Exactly. And the way to start reseeding that subconscious mind goes back to what you were saying, like reading different material. There are so many books out there. There's actually a book on comfortable conversations with the black guy. You can start there. White fragility, stance. There are some good books out there that you can get this information to start reseeding your subconscious mind so that you're not unintentionally making offensive comments. And I do think a lot of us do that. We unintentionally yep. make biased comments because of the programming and because of our experiences or lack thereof. And I'm going to, I'm like, Laura, we are breaking all of our own rules because we keep sharing our own story. But no, this, it's okay. I enjoy no, it. <laughs> you, I, I'm the one that feels like I, I can't, but you I'm not the one having all the experiences that you are. So no, but um, you are. You're you're having you're no. Having that's your true. own experience. That's true. I and do you're... share my where they apply, and I feel like our it yeah. might benefit our audience. Absolutely. Go ahead. Right. Okay. So, for example, when we talk about how our bias can impact other people, yesterday, I was I haven't even told my husband this story yet. Yesterday, I was on the way home from Sedona, Arizona. Okay, so we were flying through the Phoenix airport. I'd gotten up that morning and did two hikes with friends. And so I was in yoga pants and hiking tennis shoes with high socks and my sports bra. And then a zip up, uh, like workout jacket, and then a vest, well, actually this vest, and a vest over it. Okay, so I put my coat, the actual coat, in the bin. And I've walked through security before in a vest because that's a part of my outfit. So I put my coat in the bin, put my shoes, my bag, everything, and send it through. And he says, you have to take off your vest. And I'm like, okay, I've never had to do that before, but whatever. I take, I didn't say that out loud. That was my inner monologue. I take my vest off. I put it in. Okay. So then I get ready to walk up to the thing where you stand with your hands in the air and the, the scanner scans you, right? There's a female TSA agent to my left. And she's like, you need to put your braids to the back. And I was like, what? She's like, you need to move your braids to the back. And I looked at her and I said, they're dreads. They're not braids. So I took that moment to educate her because you're making the assumption that I'm black and my hair is long, that they're braids. They're not braids. This is my hair. These are dreadlocks. Okay. So there's one. And so I like move it to the back, get in there. And that this guy, a middle-aged white guy, because I'm setting the context. Okay. This middle-aged white guy the TSA agent says, do you have something on underneath that, that you, if you can take it off? And I was like, what? He's like, is there something on underneath this? So I unzip it halfway so you can see my sports bra. Cause that's all I was wearing. And he goes, you have to take that off. And I'm like, what? He's like, yeah, take that off and throw it through. So I give him an eye roll because again, we're on federal property and this is TSA's rules. And the moment you talk back, you're probably getting arrested or taken in that back room. No joke. I've had friends taken in the back room. So I take it off 
And he realizes and that it. he's asking you to get down to your bra. Thank you. That's your bra. That's my bra. Okay. So I take it down and I throw my jacket to my friend behind me. And I was like, anything else? Was there anything? I'm wearing yoga pants. So I'm like, is there anything in your pockets? And I'm like, yoga pants are skin tight. You can see there's nothing in my pockets. So I stand there and I'm like, this is ridiculous. I have, and now I am getting upset because one, as a woman, I should have never had to strip down in my bra to walk through security ever. Right. And then I look to my left and there's two white girls walking through in the same outfit and they didn't have to take their clothes off. And nothing's showing up on the screen. Like nothing's nothing. coming up. Nothing. So I was pissed. Yeah, but that's, I'm, I, like, that's... I'm like, who's in charge? None of the TSA officers would answer me. I'm like, who's the manager? Nobody would point me to a manager. So I go through and at this point, tears are streaming down my face because I feel humiliated that I had to walk through my sports bra and no one else did. And you've got people going through in hoodies. They have t-shirts on under those hoodies, right? They're going through in hoodies and jackets and no one has to take their stuff off. So we go all the way through. I get my clothes. I start to put my jacket back on to cover my sports bra. And I'm just standing in the back waiting for my friend behind me. So my friend behind me comes through. He's in a hoodie and wearing two layers. So he walks up to the managers for me. Now, he's also a middle-aged white guy. He goes, hey, sir, I'm just trying to understand. I'm wearing two layers and I didn't have to take off anything. And you made her strip down to her sports bra. And this looks a lot like profiling to me. And the manager did nothing. He just stood there, was like, and shook his head in agreement. And my guy, and so one, I was honored that my friend was going to fight for me because I couldn't fight for myself. I couldn't. And he's, this is wrong. You've got all these people going through. They're wearing the same thing. No one else is taking off their clothes and you make her strip down to her sports bra. And you feel because of your skin color that you can't say anything or yes. get heightened even more yes. quickly. Yes. So yes. you feel like you have to do what they say and that yes. you don't have a voice in this and you're being discriminated against as a woman. Thank you. And as a woman. Yes. I felt like, like initially it could have been gum. because I initially, I felt it was because of my skin, because when I looked around, all I saw was white people. And then the manager does nothing. And my girlfriend who met up with us, cause she went through clear. So she didn't have to take anything off. She was already done. She's at the very least you should, you owe my friend an apology. He wouldn't apologize. She's like, an apology would be nice, sir. Now my friend, my girlfriend's white and my guy friend, they're both white and they're both fighting for me. And he wouldn't apologize. And my friends are like, well, are you going to go say something to him? Back up. Are you going to go say something to him? He wouldn't. So I looked at him. The only thing I said was, I hope that you don't have daughters and that they never have to experience what you just made me feel. And then I walked up the escalator because that's all I could say. And are there other people around? Are there other TSA agents? Yeah. Do no one does like... anything. And that's, that's and like, right. where are you going to stand at? Who's standing up right. for situations like this when they experience it? Right. Not, come on. It's, this is what perpetuates the problem. And it, this yes. is why it's been existing forever in America. There is not enough voices, not enough people standing up when these experiences happen. If they, everyone said something, if another TSA worker did something and voiced their opinion, it, I'm pretty sure there must've been at least dozens of them around you doing right. all this stuff. They, they, everyone's seen this. 
everyone's hearing probably what's you know what you're saying and being a little bit right. more boisterous yeah what are they speaking up if no one says anything then it's just going to continue silence is deafening but you, yes. you can't that's as bad as anything Not yeah and i wonder like speaking out I wonder what their training is, is when they have to, because I, I would assume to give a marginal, just to try to look at the other side of the story is that you're having to examine people and you're going to get complaints sometimes. Like what's right. their training to say like how you deal with those situations? Because it looks like to me that you're just, whatever training it is, is disregarding respect right. for people. So right. what is that? And oh. it was like this weird balance of, I understand they're doing their job. I've been physically searched by other female TSA workers. Like I get that. And I get that your job is to keep us safe, but you can see I'm in skin tight clothes. Nothing is coming up on the scan. There is no need for me to go down because even my zip up was skin tight. It's mm -hmm. workout attire. Mm -hmm. And I it felt like this crazy violation of my civil rights. Right. Yet you're not allowed to have any like on federal property when you're going through, do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And it's, it was so hard to say where the line is. So my friend, Andrew actually stayed at the top and looked down or you're at the top of the escalator. And I just stood off to the side and he watched two guys go through in jackets and called them out from the top of the escalator. He's like, sir, those two guys just went through in jackets. What's up? You know what I mean? It, oh, at least you have a good friend. <laughs> I know. I was, I, like, we did this little group hug and I just bawled. And I was like, thank you guys for standing up for me. I can't stand up for myself. You don't understand. I'm like, you don't understand how many times these things happen to me. This mm -hmm. happened two weeks ago when my family was in town skiing, which I don't even think I'll have time for that. You don't even realize how much that support matters. Just seeing right. that your friends are there for your back, mm -hmm. that says a lot. That's like exponentially raising your level of friendship mm -hmm. to another degree. Knowing that right. person is behind you in a yeah. situation like that, that's trauma, especially with race, racism. Mm -hmm. We know it's yeah. their profiling, especially. If you do, if you speak up, it not only advocates for where you stand, but that person who's the victim will look at you in a different light. And that's right. what we need. We need more people to support. And in this situation, that. like that person oftentimes is afraid to speak up because they see in America that sometimes if you say something, things right. just escalate. And so right. there you see these experiences and there's this fear. And, right. and I think when you're that friend and you have that understanding of what your friend is going through that absolutely sometimes. And I just remember from Janet's podcast and she specifically said, it's the white people who are in power. You guys have the power. And that, that hit me pretty hard that people need to see people with my skin color standing up for people of your skin color and right. that you can do that. And that, and that was the, Oh, I'm no, sorry. go oh, ahead. Oh, I was going to no, mention I was gonna that. Say that. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was going to say back to the George Floyd thing. So in that situation itself with that kid, he actually had a friend that was staying, standing by watching all this happen. And right. at the end of that experience, the friend laughed it off. And that was supposedly one of his best friends or his And best. he should have been the one to speak up on those three boys. Absolutely. And so that's, that is another reason to have these conversations and voice your support of where you stand, not even as an adult, as a child also, that those conversations are so important and exponentially impact 
other people's experience, your family's experiences, as they come across those situations, that, to me, that's critical. Yeah, I mean, right. that, that in itself, you got to show support, you got to stand up, you got to have voice, voice injustices when they happen. Yeah, especially to people that you care about, to people that you don't care about. If you see something that's not right, say something, right. do yeah. something. And I think don't stand by. And I don't think necessarily that he didn't stand up doesn't mean that he doesn't want to be a good friend. It's that he just doesn't right. know how, possibly. Right. But I think exactly what you're saying. If they, if he did have those conversations, these aren't situations that teenagers really know how to deal with because they don't have a lot of life experience. But if you are having those conversations in your home, then sometimes if they are met with these more adult situations, then maybe they can handle it better and be, and be that better friend. So I was going to say, David, what's the one thing that you want to leave with, with our audience? Like the, the one takeaway, I feel like you've summed it up, but if there's anything else you wanted to add with that, what do you have for us? I can't reiterate enough. Just everyone has their part to do. Everyone can do something. There's nothing small about racial inequality but everyone Mm -hmm. can do one thing if not anything at least have one conversation with your family five ten minutes all i'm asking i'm just asking for five or ten minutes have a simple conversation with your family about racism about the history of american racism where do you stand what is your position you want to do what's right you want to do what's wrong (laughs) essentially that's what it really comes down to what's right is trying to fight for injustices make sure that people aren't discriminated against based off of race or sexual orientation. Tell that to your kids, tell that to your spouse, tell that to your inner circle of friends. That in itself will have a ripple effect of them talking and sharing their own experiences of where they stand. Have a simple conversation. Everyone can do it. Mm -hmm. Nothing difficult about it. Tell them where you stand and make sure that you stand for what's right. And from there, we can all try to strive for a solution to racism. Thank you so much, David, for joining us. This has been a great two-part episode. I don't think I have anything else that needs to be said because you pretty much hit the nail on the head. (laughs) So guys, if you want to connect with David, you can find him at theblackangle.com. Follow his blog. If you want to share, if you live in Utah and want to share one of your stories with him so that he can get it on your blog, please reach out to him. You can find him on Instagram at theblackangleutah. Twitter is at Black Angle Utah. You can also find David in our Facebook group to continue this conversation, the wake up stories to work with me. And maybe you need some help with unconscious bias training at work, bridging the gap between policy and people learning to have these uncomfortable conversations, creating equity. You can find me at thewakeupstories.com. You can also find us at thewakeupstories.com on Instagram. And my personal handle is Andrea underscore D. And we look forward to connecting you until next time, guys. We'll see you later. Thank you for joining us.